Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Welcome to Stupidity, home of the greatest media mind ever to walk the planet. I tell you what, man, he's a literal titan across the entire media landscape. Okay, so here's the deal. He's a true icon in every sense of the word. He's loved and feared more than any being to grace this planet. Hey, Stugas, a man with a voice that sounds like Barry White and Beyonce had a Jewish baby. God himself would pay $39.99 for a cameo. Fact of the matter is, you are about to embark on a transcendent experience that can only be described as psychological nudity. This is Stu Goss, and this is Stupidity. Here we go, Jim. Tony! Welcome into another episode of Stupidity, the biggest podcast in the world, thanks to you. Please subscribe, rate and review, unsubscribe, resubscribe, re-rate, re-review. By doing that, you have made us the biggest podcast in the world. We're presented by DraftKings. We get bigger today. I mean, we get bigger with Mike Golick Sr. Um, fair to say Mike Golick Sr. is a co-host of Stupidity at this point, Mikey A. <laughs> I mean... Yeah. Well, you know. He's making what I'm making. (laughs) Only when it becomes, you know, billing in the tweet or however it gets sent out as a co-host. Other than that, I'm just some schmuck joining you every now and then, you know. You're not a schmuck. And let me tell you something. I'm throwing your name all over the NFL. (laughs) Listen. You're not throwing my name. You are. You're heaving my name. You are. You are dropping my name off the largest buildings known to mankind and just splattering it everywhere. But you know what? That's okay. That's okay. You are projectile vomiting his yeah. name to yeah. the entire NFL. That, Listen, that's I've probably the, the best. To, I've only done it to, to to Roger Goodell. I've only done it to the Chiefs for Andy Reid. And we're getting all these people on, by the way. And since you keep mentioning John Calipari every single time you're on with us, I threw in at Kentucky as well, and I think he's coming on. How about that, Mike? 
I mean, is it is it a stunner that all these people keep saying yes? Are you in like a new world here with what's going on when people of this power say yes? Yes, because I'm so used to uh, throwing out Levitard's name and they say, "Get the fuck out of here." <laughs> but but listen, they they should understand it's the it's the 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 podcast, as you said. Subscribe, rate, review, unsubscribe. I've done all that, by the way. I figured Thank out. You. How to do all that to try Your and help as best that, I can. Well, exactly right. When I say me, I mean my <laughs> wife by extension. That's, that's kind of how it works. I mean, seriously, Stu, do you, did you know how to do the technical part of this all the time? Or or how long did you have to have your hand held? Um, I'm st- I still have my hand held by Mikey A. Yeah. <laughs> I have no yeah. clue what I'm doing. Although, Mikey A, let me ask you this. And this is a totally inside joke. Did you hit record? <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I, I, I did, just like I did last time. Okay. <laughs> But it, listen, it is amazing the guests that are <laughs> that are coming on over the next week or two, simply because I am now affiliated with Mike Golick Sr. I am convinced if I asked any of these people on my own, they would all tell me, get the hell out of here. But for you, Mike, they do anything. It's amazing. Well, and, and the thing about it is we have great conversation with them. We have some great guests on already. Yes. And then when we start to get going, and, and I know some of the questions you're going to ask, I don't know them because I don't see them, but I know you. So I know where some of the questions are going to go. That's when I start cringing a bit and wondering, okay, is this the end of the relationship I'm going to have with this person now? Are they going to finish and say, okay, I'm done talking with Golik ever again? I just feel bad because at the end of this, Golik's going to turn around and look at the landscape of his reputation and see nothing but burned bridges. Yeah. And Stu got holding a lighter. Yeah. His backdrop should be a burned bridge. Yes. <laughs> a Tw- bridge let me tell burning. you. Not Four years at Notre Dame, nine years in the NFL, and 25 years in broadcasting, all burnt to hell in a month because I'm associated with Stu. But at least you'll have me, Mike. All you hear in the background is fucking timber! That's my career crashing down. No, I like to envision it as like, that's Andy Reid crashing down. (laughs) That's Brian Kelly crashing down. It's like a a forest full of coaches, right? It it is, and, and I just love it. I can't wait till Nick Saban's on. Hey, Nick, how about at the end of this, you play a little flashcards with Golik? Oh, yeah, quick, quick math. <laughs> Peeing in the lake, Nick. Peeing in the lake. Wait, what's the game we would play, Mikey A, for Saban? Because, like, I maintain you can... Save in or save out. Save in or save out. Yeah, save oh, in. I like that. Oh, you like that, huh? I do like that, yeah. Yeah, wow, but you won't like okay. the questions that follow save in or save out. No, no. All of a sudden, my connection's going to cut out. Uh, today, it's going to be David Shaw. I'll try to maintain your relationship okay uh, i appreciate that with the stanford head coach um pretty like i've never spoken to david shaw i have heard david shaw be interviewed and like like levitar doesn't like having coaches on because of coach speak david shaw doesn't give any of that like he's a real raw dude you know and 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 also david is not like your typical I'm going to yell at you, coach. Right. You know, that's not right. how he gets his results. Right. He's not that kind of guy. He's got a great smile to him. He gets players to buy in uh, to what he's selling. I mean, he's, he's great for He's a great coach, but he's certainly great for that program. But, you know, places like Stanford that expect a little bit more, uh, he, he's great for that place. And he treats, he treats players incredibly well. And listen, there are some coaches that are hard on players or more old school, and it can be effective. And some that aren't, and it can be effective, and vice versa. You know, you just don't know. But all you can do is coach the way you either 
were coached coming up or coached with people coming up. You, the one thing you can't do, and I don't care about coaching or anything else, if you try and be something that you're not, your players will figure it out pretty damn quick. Yeah, they. Uh, that's 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 actually very accurate. You're right. They, like you have to just, and if yourself is not enough, then it's not enough. But you have to be yeah. yourself because you're right. The players will read like read right through that. All right, are you ready for the debut? Before we yes. get to David Shaw here, now you're familiar with the show that me and your son used to do, Mike Gola Jr. Yes. Weekend Observation Sunday morning on ESPN Radio, seven to nine a.m. It was a very difficult time in our lives. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was on a bot mitzvah circuit. At I was going to say, when you were on the bot mitzvah season, I mean, Sunday mornings were brutal for you. They were brutal, but I showed up to every show, unlike your son. <laughs> unlike Mike, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, which was the greatest show we ever did when we were tracking down Michael Jr. He was hungover. He missed the show. It's okay. It, it was stunning. But but all I can say is the gist of this game is basically you make somebody else do the work. That That is correct. What we would do, now I would put it I would couch it under the umbrella of, hey, Mike Gola Jr. is young. He's up and coming in the business. Let's get him some reps. Let's toss him a few questions. Uh, and Mike thought I was doing a very nice thing. But really what I was doing, because he didn't know me that well at that point, is really what I was what I was doing was just being me. I was being lazy, Mike. That's all I was doing. Yeah. So so how are you couching it with me? Uh, that I'm a young up, up, up and comer and I need the reps? That people want to hear Mike Golick Sr.'s voice. <laughs> 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 they want to hear his opinions on football. And they do. They really do okay subscribe rate review unsubscribe rate review again (laughs) that's my guy (laughs) there it is so uh mikey do you have because what we used to do mikey a is just lob it up the gojo we'd play a sounder called gojo right you have sounders here for go so right (laughs) yeah i I updated them a little bit mike why you gave them some panache you did (laughs) why you why you rubbing your hands in your face are you embarrassed because when, when you do something like this and you don't know where it's going with the Sounders, I, I, I'm going to hold my breath. Yeah. Wait, so Mike, uh, Mikey A, do you want me to be surprised or do you want to fire one off now? Like, which way? No, I think we should just, uh, I'll start easy. How many I'll do you have? Let's live with it all together. All right. yeah. I, I, I got up to eight. Eight, you have eight, eight. We had. I have eight. We had one for for Junior. It was just Gojo. That was it. Yes, okay. that's all. We hey, had, he was but... young. That's all he deserved when you're that young. <laughs> but I was producing four shows. All right. So, uh... <laughs> and only being paid for one. <laughs> yeah. Uh huh. As opposed to one and none. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Stu Gouts here for my friends over at Miller Lite. A lot's changed over the years. One thing that hasn't, the great taste of Miller Lite. Another thing that hasn't changed is that it's less filling. So, what is the best thing about the original light beer? Miller Lite sparked this debate in 1975, and we still haven't settled it. Listen, for me, it's simple. When I'm sitting around with friends, with family, we're at concerts, we're watching the Knicks finally win for the first time in 30 years, we're laughing, we're having a great time, we do it with ice cold. Miller Lite. Always have, always will. Miller Lite keeps it simple, undebatable quality, great taste, only 96 calories. It's the beer that strips away everything you don't need and holds on to what matters most. You don't have to choose what's best. Miller Lite has great taste and is less filling. Tastes like Miller time. To get Miller Lite delivered right to your door, visit MillerLite.com slash stew, or you can find it pretty much anywhere that sells beer. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, 96 calories per 12 ounces, fewer cows and carbs than premium regular beer. The AFC team most likely to make it to the Super Bowl, not named the Kansas City Chiefs, is... Go so. Wow. You know what? 
I think the next in line is Buffalo, yes. but I'm going to do it. I'm going to no, no, but I'm not saying Buffalo okay. because I'm I'm adding a little of my heart here, which I normally don't do, uh, with my head, born and raised in, because I think the third best team could be the Cleveland Browns. Nice. So if it's not Kansas City, listen, they are set up. I mean, what they have done off the field, uh, obtaining talent and how that's been playing. I know they've dealt with some injuries. But if they can get these pieces together, let's see where Baker goes. I mean, Baker's going to get paid, I don't know about like Josh Allen, but let's see where he goes now. We've seen the upside, we've seen the downside, and we've seen the upside of him. But I like where they are. If they can stay away from injury, something none of us can ever predict, they got a real shot. Again, everybody keeps saying they have a, they have a great roster on paper, and they do, but paper doesn't mean shit. Everybody knows that. But... I, I think they could get it done. I, I really do. So if it's not the Kansas City Chiefs, I will say my hometown Cleveland Browns. Uh, a seven-point loss to Bama for Miami, and Mike Golick has Cleveland in the Super Bowl. <laughs> Mike Ryan's going to need a cigarette. Uh, you think? Right. <laughs> Mike just had sex and doesn't even know it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Jesus. Mike, the reason I love Buffalo because I love Josh Allen. Yeah. I love their I defense. I love their coach. Yep. But here's what I love the most. That, that move in the offseason of getting Mitchell Trubisky as your backup quarterback because you're a hit away, as you know, Mike, in the NFL – and the backup quarterback, there, Mike, there are very few good starting quarterbacks. To have a guy who's been to the playoffs twice in Mitchell Trubisky and has some upside and actually played well in preseason game number two, I think that was a huge signing for the Bills. I just like their team. I like what, I like what they put together there. I do as well, and you're right about a backup. You know, a backup quarterback is meant to keep you afloat if they have to play a few games, keep your head above water if you're above water. And I, I think that's something they have. With, with Mitch, unlike, you know, a team like the Jets where you see Zach Wilson playing incredibly well oh. as a rookie, but they got they got no veterans behind him. They got nothing. Now, they're not expected to do anything this year, so you probably take that into consideration. But for a team like Buffalo that is expected to do something, you got to be set at some backups, and 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 the backup quarterback for them, I think, is, is taken care of pretty well. I'm glad you brought up Zach Wilson. Uh, five years from the day he retires, Zach Wilson will be in Canton. feel like I should be on my knees looking to the heavens. Uh, no, I'm not. There's no way I'm saying that. There's not a shot uh, I'm saying that. Listen, bad. we know we know. usually at least half of the first-round quarterbacks are busts, yeah. let alone you know good players, let alone great, let alone Hall of Famers. So let's see how the five turn out from this year. But there's no way I would say that about, about you know a quarterback in his rookie year. I, I just can't do it. Now, I think of the five – he looks the most. I think all have been playing well in their strengths they that we've been. seen. Yeah, they all all have some growing to do. One thing is he has been against the other team's number ones from day one in the preseason, and now you're seeing vanilla defenses. But to me, he has been the most calm, cool, and collective in the pocket, feeling the surest about what he's doing. 
I love what he's doing. I love loved him coming out of college. I talked him up a lot. I thought he would be the second pick uh, for a long time ago after Trevor Lawrence, but there's no way I'm putting a quarterback uh, in the Hall of Fame five years after he's retired just yet. Okay. I mean, Aaron Rodgers gave him a ringing endorsement, which, Mikey, hey, you know this as a Jet fan, which means Zach Wilson will be out of the league in three years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I love this next question. Uh, based on two preseason uh, games, if we, re- <laughs> if we redrafted today, do you think the Jaguars would still take Trevor Lawrence? Go so. He, he's so mad at me. It's the imaging. It's the questions. It's all of it. <laughs> well, I, I, I'll say no, but I'll say this. They might. If you if you base it off of what we've seen in games, just just if you throw everything else out, right? Everything else out, and you base it off just what you see in the games, they might rethink that and, and, and think of Zach Wilson. Because I think Zach Wilson, now again, I think all of them have looked pretty good, and it's very difficult to judge off of what we've seen in vanilla defenses. But of the five rookie quarterbacks, I think Zach Wilson has looked the best. We've seen uh, Justin Fields make some great plays with his legs and some great throws as well. He's right up there as well. But to me, Zach Wilson is showing the best command as a rookie of, of the five rookie quarterbacks right now. Mike, the only reason I think if they redrafted today that Urban might take someone different is because he coached Justin Fields at Ohio State. He did. Right? Yes, he did. So like maybe yep, that yeah. maybe that would be the guy. Um, all right, speaking of Justin Fields, the Bears announced that Justin Fields will start preseason game number three, but they're only starting him because Andy Dalton is starting regular season week number one. Did they make the right go so? <laughs> What? <laughs> uh, yes, absolutely. And I've said this from day one, that Andy Dalton should be the starter. Uh, and I know people are losing their minds. Just play Justin Fields. What do you have to lose? And, 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 and the narrative I hear all the time that I want to debunk right now is everybody is throwing in there, we need to get past the, the guy has to sit and learn, sit and learn. I don't give a shit about that. I am not saying Justin Fields shouldn't play to sit and learn. I am not saying, you know, uh, um, Trey Lance should sit and learn before he plays. I'm not saying any of that. I'm saying those two teams, those two teams, especially because of their defense and certainly some of the offense, are teams that can contend for playoff spots. And you know who, who, which people will just bury their head if all of a sudden you're starting a rookie quarterback? The other 52 guys in the locker room. Because that's another year going by for all of them as well, where name me the last rookie quarterback that won more than they lost. And and it was... hard. Do I want to say it was... Well, I want to say it was Andrew Luck. Maybe. I'm not positive. But it was a quarterback that had 11 wins. Mostly the quarterbacks that start right out of the gate, I think the, the like number one picks anyway, are like five, six, seven wins. So may not be all of them, might be the, the, the number one picks. But I, I'm can Justin Fields make flashier plays than Andy Dalton? Yes. Is Justin Fields going to make more mistakes than Andy Dalton? Yes. He's going to. And I know everybody's talking about the old line is not playing pretty well or that well, and Justin can escape, and I get that. But there's also something to timing routes and getting rid of the ball. You know, you have Cole Komet, a second-year tight end. You still have Jimmy Graham, a big tight end there. Allen Robinson. Uh, I, you know, I, I like some of their offensive pieces that they have, and I love their defense. I love their defense. So I I, I think you got to play with the veteran in Dalton 
to, to try and keep your head above water and win and not make those mistakes that can cost you. Same with Garoppolo in San Francisco. Because of that defense, you have Bosa coming back. It's an excellent defense and, and a great running game. A hell of a tight end you have as well. So that's why I'm not saying sit and learn. I'm saying those two teams, I think, have a chance to do something in the division, and I'm going to do it with a veteran quarterback, or at least start that way. Mike, it's a great point you made. Andrew Luck was 11-5 and his rookie season, but he he fell into a very, very good team. Remember, they got rid of Peyton. He went over he went over to Denver, so that was a very good team. Peyton started his rookie season and was absolutely dreadful. And when you think of the three best quarterbacks in the game right now, probably, Rodgers sat a year behind Favre, uh, Mahomes sat a year behind Alex Smith, Tom Brady sat most of the year behind Drew Bledsoe until Bledsoe got injured and Brady came right. in and won the Super Bowl. So it's such a great point by you. And and also look who you said. These are guys that are that are not only Hall of Famers, but they're in the big room yes. of the Hall of Fame. Yes. We don't know that about these guys just yet. And I'm not taking the chance right out of the gate with a team that I have that I think is a, is a playoff team. Now, some people when I'm hear this may scoff at me and say the Bears aren't that. Well, you don't know. The Bears have played great defense, and I think their offense can be, can be good enough because of their defense, and I think the same thing in San Francisco. So I'm certainly starting with the guys that I think I can count on a little more. I know Justin Fields has played well. I get it. But he's also going to make rookie mistakes. He's absolutely going to make those, again, because he's a rookie. So on the teams that are better, unlike Jacksonville, unlike Cincinnati the year before, that was just hand the ball to to Joe Burrow. You hand the ball to Trevor Lawrence because it's Jacksonville. You hand the ball to Zach Wilson because it's the Jets. Those teams aren't going anywhere. So you go out there and you get those guys, their eyes bloodied, uh, their eyes watered and their nose bloodied because those players know. Now they're going out there to win, but they certainly know that they're not not one of the better teams in the league. Um, Mike, there was a report over the weekend. I know you saw this. In fact, I'm certain it trumped any news that you saw over the weekend. Hot dogs now, reportedly, okay, will take 35 minutes, each hot dog, off of your life. Will Mike Golick stop eating hot dogs? Ghost. No, because it... it... <laughs> oh, the heartbeat. Well done, Mikey. Uh, well done. Sorry I jumped the sounder there. That was, that was great. Um... I guess my first answer to that is I doubt I will make the posting of this podcast if that is in fact true. (laughs) Sayonara, baby. I am about to head downstairs because I have had a lot of hot dogs in my life, so I have a lot of time cut off. It will not stop me from eating hot dogs. Absolutely, positively not. I like mine on the grill. I like mine a little burnt as well. Yes. I'm uh, I'm reporting my own report that the dirty water dogs in New York City at the carts that you get, they take an hour and 35 minutes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Without a doubt. And I still, I'll I'll have one every time I pass it. I don't give a shit. Uh, Without question. Stephen A. Smith filled in for Jimmy Kimmel. Late night circuit. Does Stephen A. have a late night career in his future? Uh... Go so. You're an idiot. You know that? I'm like, yeah, you're just a fucking jackass. <laughs> okay, go. Uh, you know, I don't know. I, I saw some of it. Uh, obviously, I, you know, he, I'm sure he has a writer writing stuff, or maybe he writes some of the stuff, you know, as well. I know he's talking about the milk crate thing uh, and such. Very difficult for me to sit here and say, yeah, he can go do that too. I mean, you know, listen, the guy has been around for a long time. Uh, we know how he makes his bones. I mean, he's, he loves to get after it, and he has no problem jumping in your face. 
Can you turn that to a comedic way? One thing I think he'd be good at is, you know, with the different guests on, having fun uh, with the guests or, you know, definitely asking them uh, some good questions as well. So, yeah, why not? I, hell, I think you and I could do it, Stu. I think you and I could host a late night show. I think. Well, I don't know. I feel like like I saw Stephen A. He looked nervous. I've never seen Stephen A. nervous before because the expectation of funny and standing up there on that stage alone and delivering a monologue will make any man nervous even one as great as Stephen A. Smith. That's where you really got to lean on the writers and, and, and get into it and make it sound, I would imagine, as natural as possible. Listen, Greeny and I were on David Letterman 11 times as guests, but flip that around and all of a sudden, if you're sitting in that chair yes. and, like you said, got to deliver the monologue, the easiest part would be interviewing the guests because, hell, we've done that. All of us have done that for a couple of decades. I mean, could you imagine having just just think of a of an incredible guest you could have out there and all of a sudden you're pulling out the flashcards, you know, and making them do math quizzes with you and stuff. <laughs> I mean, that would be awesome late night stuff. I think it would be cool as hell. Yes, quick math. You know? Quick drunk math. Yeah, yes. <laughs> quick math. So it would just be getting through that monologue. And I would imagine for like a Stephen A or, or others, uh, it, it would be like anything else, reps, the more you do it, you know, the more comfortable you're going to feel. I would imagine that would have been the part he felt most out of place other than, you know, because interviewing people, hell, that's, that's we've all been doing that. Yes. Uh, Mikey A., who do you think, who do you imagine from sports media would be the best as a late night talk show host? Like, it's, oh, I, I know, it's a, it's a tough one. I, I, I got to feel like Bob Lee would be good for some reason, but the guy, I, I would go Mikey C. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, you got to think Randy of Scott on the late, late oh, show. Randy Scott. Good. Randy yeah, Scott's a good one because because again, you I don't think you put in the part about interviewing anybody because we've all done that. Right. Who would have who has the best kind of comedic, you know, timing Correct. and rhythm? Yes. Randy Scott, that would be a good one. I, I think that would be a really jokes. good one. Yes. I mean, how quickly would Mikey C run out of fucking material? <laughs> I mean, like, oh my god. How quickly would he run out of cigarettes? <laughs> that would be his whole act. <laughs> 50 oh. seconds into his monologue, he's throwing it to break. All right. How'd you feel about the uh, the first ever uh, airing of Goso? How'd you feel about it? Uh, I used a lot of words and you didn't <laughs> use as many words. So I, I think I think from your... I think, I love the heartbeat. It's the best. I think from your side of it, it went well. Yeah, mission accomplished, uh, yes. <laughs> from, from my side of it, if I got paid by the word, I'm going to be waiting for a monster check. And waiting. I mean, waiting. Yeah, waiting. Yeah. I mean, yeah, feel free to call Levitor whatever you want. I'm done. Yeah. You can be paid by however you want to. You won't get the check. <laughs> All right, let's get, uh, speaking of guys who are getting paid, <laughs> I have two guys who aren't, but David Shaw, he's getting paid. <laughs> let's get to the Stanford head coach. Oh my gosh, folks, gather around. Everyone gather around, listen to these words. The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA with same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. Don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And if you're new to DraftKings, you gotta check this out. New customers, listen to me. You bet just five bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use code DAN. That's code DAN for new customers. And you get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. That's insane. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boothill Casino Resort in Kansas, 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.
Yeah, like the uh, like the old beer. That's yeah, you know, you. I tell you, I I got it during uh, I got it during um, COVID last year when I was finishing up the show with Trey and my son Mike in my basement. We had our own studio, and uh, so I thought, why shave? I'll I'll try this. And uh, the key was in the past when I tried this, my wife laughed at me. But last year she didn't laugh at me and said it kind of looks good. So I said, okay, that means I'm going to keep it for a while. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Good for you. How you doing, Coach? All good? I'm good. I'm good. We're midway in training camp, about a little more than a third in, and uh, and doing well. It was. Uh, I, I was actually. I, I have a house here in South Bend, so I was actually up at Notre Dame's uh, practice. They opened it up, and uh, it was just good to see like a normal thing, you know, like a normal practice with all the media there and such. I, I'd imagine that's got to be a pretty cool feeling for you. It's great, right? We've had, we haven't had open practice yet. I think that's this weekend. Um, but we've had the NFL scouts come by where, you know, it's been a long time since they've been able to come out. And those guys are probably the happiest guys because they're trying to do their jobs. Uh, their jobs are on the line every single year and they couldn't go visit anybody last year. So they're, <laughs> they're glad to be out. That's been fun. Coach, have you ever flirted with growing a beard? It seems like uh, there's no chance, right? You know, I've, I've got attachment issues, you know, <laughs> not, right. not everything. Can make... <laughs> right. I noticed uh, that. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so from the, from the point of my son, who Mike is mad at me all the time, because I have a really good head of hair and at 31, he doesn't. And there are those <laughs> that tell him, the line, the line used on him is Mike, just come home, meaning just shave it off and, and, and admit that. So is, is that where you are? Because you, it looks great, but did you just have to say, okay, this is where it's going and I'm just you know, shaving I, it I, off? I've honestly been shaving my head since I was in college. Really? And yeah. So it really wasn't until, you know, missed about a week and a half or so. I'm like, oh, it's not all coming back in. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even know, honestly. <laughs> so you just left it it looks yeah, good just, though you look i've been mom. doing it yes. you know for 20 plus years so why not just keep doing it that is so funny uh coach i'm wondering how early because your dad was a coach and you've been around coaching and coaches and great coaches your entire life like at what age did you know that you wanted to be a coach well that's a, that's a bit of a story um uh, i had actually denied that i was ever going to coach football um you know, when you're a fifth year senior, which is even more rare now, I mean, if you're good enough, you're leaving after your junior year, but when you're a fifth year senior uh, in the same offense, I, I knew the whole offense. I knew all three receiver positions. I knew the quarterback's reads. So I was like another coach on the field. So some of the younger guys started calling me Coach Shaw. And I actually took offense to that. It was like, hey, this, this old guy that can't run as fast as we can, you know, he's telling us what to do. Uh, so I always denied that. And I'd had some of the coaches and my coach, Mike Wilson, uh, who played for the 49ers, had said it, you know, gosh, you'd make a good coach. And I was like, I'm not going to coach. Like I've been doing internships at these financial financial places. Like I'm going to do have a real job, you know, with, you know, working, working with money and like, it's going to be great. Uh, and then when I graduated, um, a good friend of my, my dad's, um, uh, Robin Ross, was up at Bellingham, Washington and said, hey, we need a coach's assistant if you're interested. And I just wasn't ready to put on a tie. So I'm like, you know what, let me let me mess around with this for a little bit before I get a real job. And then like most things, uh, day one on the job, I was like, this is it. Like, I can't do anything else. Like, this is what I've been, been my life has prepared me to do. 
Um, and I knew I was, this is what I was going to do. Boy, that's a, that's a, a commitment. I, I'll never forget retiring and Bud Carson, who was my coordinator. I mean, what a, what a legend he was. He actually called me up when I retired and he said, listen, I think you could be a pretty good coach. He was in St. Louis and he goes, I want you to come be an assistant D line coach. I said, coach, I love you. I said, but <laughs> when I get there in the morning, you're already there. And when I go home, you're still there. I said, and you Wikipedia, <laughs> you Wikipedia, any coach, and you see stop after stop after stop. I mean, it's just like you said, you you kind of fought it in the beginning, but then you just give yourself to it. But it is, it can be a very nomadic life, right? Absolutely. And it's a reason why my mother kind of denies it. When I told her I was going to take this job up in Bellingham, Washington, uh, she cried. She's like, no, like, haven't you witnessed, haven't you witnessed our lives? Like all these stops at, you know, one year at Oregon and five years at Arizona state and then four years into the Detroit Lions and back to California. And, uh, but when you, when you, when you know that you feel it in your bones, then you accept whatever difficulties come with that. You know, it's, it's on the, it's worse to actually chase something that you're not really inclined to do, but you want all the stuff that comes with it. You know, it's better to find the thing that sure. you're passionate about and then you have no problem dealing with the difficulties. But what was it? So you stepped on that practice field for the first time as a coach. And what was it about that day that said, hey, I'm going to do this the rest so of the time? So I'll be very, very transparent. It was the yes, being on the grass, right? When you're done playing, you kind of think that's your last time. Um, but it's being on the grass, which was great. I knew that I was going to have those feelings, but this may sound weird, but that sense of responsibility, I've always felt that. I, I like responsibility. I like things being on my shoulders and to have a group of guys, I was coaching outside linebackers and strong safeties, a group of guys looking at me, look saying, okay, coach, what do I do now? And the fact that I had the answers and I always draw the parallel between coaching and teaching um, and coaching. We kind of get the wins and we get the victories, which are great. But the other thing that we have in common with teachers really is that feeling of when you help somebody do something they couldn't do before. And you, that satisfaction that you get, Right. When you, you talk to I had a conversation with one of our young offensive linemen yesterday on just running outside zone versus a three technique. And like if you try to walk around it, like you, you can't you can't you the running back doesn't know where to go. But if you stay on your track and hit your landmark and I made him stand there back of the running back, and I started looking at his face like, oh, that's why you guys want me to do that. Now the running back will be able to read my block easier. And like that sense as a teacher, as a coach, you're like, yes. Now this kid's like, okay, great. I'm going to stop getting yelled at for doing it wrong. Like I get it now. And now we're going to have a chance to be successful. So that coaching teaching thing for me, it's, it goes through my whole family um, and, uh, and, and that satisfaction. So even day one on the, on the job, teaching a guy, you know, how to maintain leverage and not let the quarterback get out. And he just, okay, great. And he goes out and he does it right. And he comes back to you and he's <laughs> like, yeah, I got it. You know, that, that feeling is, is something that I think all true coaches um, really, really seek. Kind of a nice thing when you see their eyes light up a little bit. That That is very cool. For you, though, I mean, a couple of years into coaching, you started all of a sudden, you know, you're in the NFL. You know, you're coaching between the Eagles and the Raiders and the Ravens and and, 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 and such. So you're there for a while before you're back into college. And now you've been a head coach here at Stanford for, what, 10, 11 years. So, uh, you know, your name always comes up. You know, it's like, will he make that jump back? Will he make that jump back? What is – what is your thought process on that? Is it a thought process at all? Is it a, I'll see year by year? I never say never, um, just because I'm a coach's <laughs> kid and I've seen the craziest things, right? We've all seen the coaches that say, I'm not leaving, I'm not leaving, I'm gone, right? <laughs> uh, so I, I never say never. That's not a shot at anybody in particular. It's just happened a lot. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, <laughs> I'd never the, leave where you're at, my, though, Coach. Uh, I mean, I've been to Stanford. That's the nicest place in the country. I mean, <laughs> yeah. What I've learned watching, living through my dad's career, and even to my career, and all the guys that I've known and watched, um, the 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 thing that gets us in difficult situations as coaches is we start chasing things. You chase money. You chase that perfect job that you think is the perfect job. And sometimes you end up leaving what was the perfect job for a job that was imperfect or one that you're not suited for. Um, so I've always enjoyed every stop. I've never tried to leave uh, any place that I've been. Um, and this place is special to me, uh, being a Stanford alone, playing football here, actually played three sports here, um, spent a lot of time here. And my wife loves it here. So uh, we're great here. And, and on top of that, we've had a lot of success. And we're, I think we're actually building a really good football team with some guys in the future that I'm going to want to coach. So um, I never say never, but I also don't chase it. Um, the other thing I tell people all the time, as you mentioned, uh, Mike, the, my college, my, my coaching career is different than most college coaches where they, they build that college resume and then back of their minds, like, man, I wonder if I can make that jump or I want to make that jump. I'm sitting here. I coached nine years in the NFL. So I don't have that itch that I need to scratch. I've coached Hall of Fame players, all pro players. I've coached in every level except for the Super Bowl. So I've been there and I felt that and it was great. So now I love where I am. Um, and when you love what you're doing, you love who you're who you're with. There's no reason to look anyplace else. I, I think with all that, and it all sounds great, but I think you really buried the leader or glossed over it. My wife likes it here. That's the key line. <laughs> that is a real key line. Much much like your story with your beard. Yes, like, yeah. hey, when, when she's good, then we're wait, all good. Wait, so. Coach, with all that said, I'm wondering, what's the closest you've come to leaving Stanford? Has there been an opportunity where you were like really thinking about it? So when I got this job, um, and I was so excited to have it, and Coach Harbaugh left, and I, and I, was, I was ecstatic. Um, I told my agent at the time, I said, nobody gets to me. So anybody who calls you, you say thanks, but no thanks. Um, and if it's if it's if it was an owner, great. Then I'll I'll write him a thank you letter letter later. Um, but I've never entertained anything. I've never gotten on the phone with anybody who has an open who has an open job. That's been one of my things, right? Because the rumor mill is is brutal, um, especially when you're a college coach and you're recruiting guys, and everybody oh we hear you're talking to so and so. So uh, in my ten going on eleven years, I've never had a conversation with a franchise that has an open job. Coach, are you worried at all? We had this uh, we had this conversation uh, just the other day with uh, with Tom Allen, the head coach at Indiana. Are you worried about a kid missing practice because he's got an appearance at the local Advance Auto Parts? Like, how does that work for you? <laughs> well, this NIL thing has been interesting. Um, there, there's a lot of there's a lot of smoke right now, and not a lot of fire. So there's a couple of guys that have gotten like really these really ridiculous deals. Most of these guys, it's been common sense things, right? They've got some internet stuff they're doing. They're selling some jerseys. They're doing some autographs and all that stuff. It's cool. Um, but for our guys, uh, there's a phrase that, you know, my parents used to say that I heard back when I was growing up a lot is keep the main thing, the main thing, you know, um, you come to Stanford to play football and graduate. Those are two things I harp on all the time. Um, anything else is secondary or, or, or third in line. Um, so our, our guys get that, they understand that our guys have signed some pretty cool deals and different things that they're doing, which I think is really fun. I think it's added some spice to their life as well as a little bit of pocket change, which is all you really want. Um, you're in college. We, we don't, we're not, these guys shouldn't be trying to be millionaires. Um, I think some of these guys that have some of these deals, 
uh, I wonder about these companies that are, or these people that are giving these money. Like that's not a good business model to give somebody a whole bunch of money. You're not getting anything back for it. Um, so I think a lot of the stuff is going to die down. Um, but you know, much as much like I got a little bit of trouble down South, which happens to me periodically. Um, and I, I, I basically rephrased exactly <laughs> what Nick Saban said. Yeah. Right. And everybody, everybody got mad at me. I said the exact same thing he did. He said, he said, you know, the kids getting a whole bunch of money because it's the strength of our program. He basically said it himself. It wasn't the kid. It was, it was the program. And I said, I said, Hey, that's not market value. That's Alabama. Value. <laughs> it's the exact same thing, but everybody got mad at me. Um, but there are going to be some of those things that stand out. I also said that Nick is brilliant and that he hasn't done anything wrong. The kid hasn't done anything wrong. Alabama hasn't done anything wrong. It's just where we are. Um, but yeah, some of those things will crop up, but for the most, most part, most of these student athletes, they're going to get a little pocket change. They're going to have, be able to have some more fun, have some more freedom. Um, and then we'll try to keep the main thing. Uh, listen, you were a thousand percent right in what you said, just as Nick Saban. Everybody said, oh, Nick was trying to be sly there. Nick doesn't do anything sly. Nick Nick was <laughs> saying, hey, come to Alabama and you can make some money before you even step on the field. I mean, and there's nothing wrong with that at all. It turns into marketing. No, unless well, David so, says uh, it, Mike, then there's something wrong with it. <laughs> I, I, no, it's, 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 it's ridiculous. So, so now you'll have players trying to compete with the coaches and the side deals that they get. But what you can do, you know, Tom Allen, again, from IU, reference that, and I wonder if it's the same, is for your players, you can educate but can't facilitate. Is that kind of how, how, how it works? That's how it's supposed to work. <laughs> right? um, that, that, for those of us that do it right, that's, that's the way it works. And our, 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 if you can imagine our place, like how many Fortune 5 companies have spawned from this place, oh, yeah. right? The, the education that we can give our people, the context that we can, that we can facilitate uh, and they can do their own thing. Um, this is a great place to be for us right in the heart of Silicon Valley. All this stuff going on. Um, it, it's been really good for us, but at the same time, we don't cross the line. We don't try to do anything or don't try to promote something that's not true. Your voice sounds very clear right now. We can hear you very clearly. That was not the case for Tom Allen. So I'm going to play this sound for you quickly, and then I have a quick follow-up. Go ahead, Mike. Well, you know, obviously it, it created a lot of question marks. I mean, I, I'm, I'm all for our guys being able to maximize that opportunity. Um, I, I just think we as coaches just like, hey, where's where's the parameters? Where does it start? Where does it stop? Where does it go? And and uh, that's always a big question. But at the same time, you know, we're kind of all working our way through it. And, and I'm just all about the guys being able to still make it about the team. That to me is the key. All right, Coach, so here's the question. What he said doesn't matter. How he said it absolutely matters. So that was after three practices. Okay, I'm wondering, <laughs> how long will it take for your voice to be worse than Tom Allen's? <laughs> I, I'll be honest, and you can ask anybody who's coached here, anybody who's ever played here, uh, my voice never gets that way. Um, really? I, yeah. If I, get, if I need to get somebody's attention, which I had to do the other day, I will stop practice and get his attention. And when I get his attention, I don't need to yell. Um, uh, we, we get, we, we get close, we have a little private conversation. I make my point and then we move on. So my, 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 I don't have the emotional ups and downs like a lot of coaches do. Um, <laughs> I don't, my voice doesn't carry. So, uh, basically what I have to do is I'll blow the whistle and make everybody stop and I'll get the person's attention. I need to get attention. Um, and then, uh, you know, I, I'm also a big fan of like nothing motivates like the bench. You know, I'm not going to do a bunch of yelling and screaming. I'm like, hey, if you don't get it right, I got a guy right over there that'll do it. <laughs> so it's not on me. It's up to you. 
I'm not going to raise my voice. I'm just going to put the other guy in. Um, and every once in a while, because I, I am very understated, every once in a while I have to remind people that I'm running the show. So I'll just quietly say, nobody on this field is going to dictate playing time except for me. So I'm the one that you got to impress. And if you don't do what I ask you to do, I'm just going to put the other guy in. I love you to death, but you're going to watch the game on the sideline next to me. That man. Right? Yeah. Oh, listen. That's, that's, <laughs> and if a guy's not motivated by that, then he's at the wrong place. That's, that's exactly <laughs> right. Speaking of motivation, I always go back to my days, which are obviously decades ago. There was a lot of when you when you messed up in practice, there was running. Is, it, is that still done? I mean, you say you can threat with playing time and, that, and that's cool. But in that moment, is there that, OK, y'all got some extra running to do right now? Uh, well, there are certain NCAA rules that have cropped up since you played. <laughs> <laughs> it was the wild, wild west back in golf. Yeah, man. there's some liability issues uh, that we have to contend with. Um, so for me, I tell you that the two things, the two things, right? The punishment, there's still nothing like elbows and toes, right? It's just elbows and toes, and we're going to sit there for for up to five minutes if I feel like it. And just to be on your elbows and toes and start trembling. Yeah. Uh, and then besides that, like, just like I said before, you're just out, right? You're just out. Somebody else is in. And I'll let you sit there and seethe, right? And say, <laughs> okay, if you if you get a chance to go back out there, it better be done right, or you may never go back out there again. And if we need to get mom and dad on the phone, that's great. You know, they're going to be on my side. So I, I don't I don't do the up and down. I don't I don't feel the need to overly punish guys. And di what's different also nowadays is we got the guys all summer. Right. Our guys are in great shape. Um, I, I do say this, though, and, and I'm, I'm different. I'm from a, a, a household of teachers. Um, my mom was a teacher. My dad was, of course, with a coach. Who, but he started off as a teacher. Uh, my sister uh, is a teacher. Uh, my brother is doing like, you know, counseling stuff with people. So that's just kind of our, our whole deal. I've never yelled at a guy for making a mistake. Some of our coaches do. I, I just take for granted the guy's not trying to make the mistake. I'll just correct the mistake. I will raise my voice and raise the temperature of practice if I think there's disrespect, right? You push a guy in the back, you hit a guy that's not looking, you know, you tackle a guy in a drill that's not a tackle drill. Okay, we're going to have one of those close conversations because you made a bad decision. You know, mistake is one thing and bad decisions are other other things. Um, so, yeah, uh, my you guys, you guys will see me. I'm the same on game day as I am right now, as I am in practice. Um, I, I, I think my team counts on me being this same person at all times. I used to do that, coach. Uh, and when it was don't go to the ground, they accidentally went to the ground. And I used to say I just tripped as I was trying to hold them up Would that. Would that <laughs> would that fly with you? That excuse? <laughs> I, I had to t I had to tell a player the other day. I've watched a lot of football um, because and you and I'm not kidding, dead serious. That was exactly what he said to me. Really? Oh, coach, I tripped. Yes, oh, coach, I tripped. I said, no, you didn't trip while you were grabbing him from behind and dragging him down on the ground. Right? I've watched a lot of football. I know the difference between tripping and tackling. Um, but you know, but at the same time, everybody's padded up. But it's, it's also that control, right? If you ever lose control, if you're ever too angry or too upset or too passionate or too motivated, then it becomes more about you than about the team. And that's the big thing that I want to correct. It's not that the guy might get hurt. Sometimes it is. But it's more like, hey, can you play within the rules that are set for you? Or are you always going to be one of those guys that's always doing something extra? Now you're a liability. 
Now you might as well pay for a ticket because you ain't playing. <laughs> where'd you Where'd you get this style from, though? Because it wasn't Jim Harbaugh, right? It had to be Bill Walsh. Like, there's no way. Jim was screaming at everyone, wasn't he? Yeah, J- Jim and I have very different personalities, yeah. <laughs> um, which, which which I always say is not a negative. And, and Mike, I hope you. I think you you yeah. understand this. I've heard you know I, I every morning, especially when I was East Coast, I listen to Mike and Mike in the morning, like for years. You understand this. The most important thing my opinion as a football coach is to be, be who you are and be authentic, right? The moment a player thinks that you're shining them on or you're trying to pretend to be something else, or you're trying to trick them, you lose them forever. Um, so like Jim was Jim and you appreciate that he's going to be him. I'm going to be me. And I think that's where you start to connect with players because they get a chance to see who you really are. So my style is a lot in my own personality um, <clears throat> and certain things that I've adopted from a lot of people that I've been around or that I've been coached by. I mean, I, I was coached by Brian Billick. He's my receivers coach that I worked for him in Baltimore and his organizational structure was unbelievable. Uh, the late great Denny green was my, was my college coach and Denny's ability to cut through straight to the heart of the problem. Like I don't have time. I'm not going to get, I'm not going to say 50 words. If I mean five, I'm going to say five and you're going to get it like that, that I try to get that from, from Denny. Um, what I, I love from Bill, and I try to emulate that, I, I just, I'm not going to lie. I can't quite get there. Bill's ability to be the master of the offense and at the same time, the master motivator slash manipulator uh, that Bill was so great at. But, but what I tried to pull it down to is Bill got to know each guy and what it took to get him motivated or what it get to get through to him because he treated everybody differently, he treated them how they were supposed to be treated in order to get that result that he was looking for. So uh, I learned a lot from a lot of different people, but I always maintain my own personality to make sure the guys know this is me. This is authentic. I'm not doing anything, anything other than trying to help you be your best you. Yeah. And listen, like you said, there are different styles. When, when I was playing, I remember talking to the guys from the Cowboys, Jimmy Johnson had those guys in pads at the Super Bowl. I mean, that was just his style, but guess what? They put rings on their fingers. So, and there are other coaches that put rings on their fingers that, that weren't that style so it's whatever works i agree with you it's players can see through the bullshit you know and and, and they know who's authentic along those lines i i, I want to get into the realignment stuff but i want to talk about your team for a second and you, you talk about being a, a teacher so last year it's obviously we know who went through you get six games in you lose your first two win your last four so as a teacher do you use last year as teachable moments going into this year or is it just Last year was what it was, and let's just put it aside and start completely new. I, I think life is full of teachable moments if you look for them. And last year was almost really easy. The hard part was making sure that you understand that we're in the ADD society. Like, I can't give 50 lessons from last year. I got to, like, pick the top couple um, that are easily translatable. And, and the top one, really, for those guys that are with us in particular, Right. Only it was only us, the 49ers, really, and San Jose State that understood what we went through getting shut down from your county, <clears throat> getting kicked out of the county. Right. Uh, the San Jose State's practicing all over the place. We're practicing in the northwest all over the place. And 49ers are down in Arizona. Um, but the biggest lesson was if you were passionate about the game of football and you love the game of football, then you will put up with whatever it takes to get there to get the game. Day. Right. At one point, we're testing nine times a day for COVID, nine times a week for COVID, right? We're testing nine times a week. We can't practice here. We have to practice there. We need three buses so we can spread everybody else. We can't be next to each other. We have to do this. We have to do that. And we're like, hey, 
whatever it takes, guys. And, and I started quoting my my mom from when I was a kid. Um, and it was it was pretty simple, which was whatever you're given to do, whatever you choose to do, do it with all your might and do it with a smile on your face. Like, let's not let the other things drag us down. Let's not let the county's regulations or Stanford's regulations or the Pac-12 protocols, don't let any of that drag us down. Guys, we get to play football, right? If you love it and you're passionate about it, then you go over all the speed bumps. You go through all the all the little things it takes to get there and you get to game day and you get to do it. So that was that was kind of my consistent message. And our guys were awesome the entire week, which is or the entire season, which is why we ended up with a four-game win streak, all four wins on the road. Our quarterback um, got a false positive, so he missed the first game, and they couldn't practice the entire next week, and he looked like it the first half, and he really turned it on the second half. So it was one of those deals where we had so many speed bumps, but I couldn't have been more proud of any team. It's one of the most proud I've been of any football team because of all of the difficulties, and we practiced with energy, and we played with energy, and we didn't play perfectly, but those last four games, they were all contested at the end, and sometimes those are the best teams that maybe we're not perfect, but when the game's on the line, we're going to make those game-changing plays, and that was exciting to be a part of. Coach, Texas and Oklahoma, they're headed to the SEC, and then that starts the floodgates of every school and every conference calling each other, trying to figure this thing out. How do you feel about all this realignment, and where do you think the Pac-12 ends up? So, <laughs> if you can imagine, I've answered this question a bunch of times, and I didn't really sit and think about it. Um, here's, here's my approach. Two things. Number one, I'm a coach's kid. Like, and Mike, you, you mentioned it too, like things have changed over the decades. There's always change in college athletics, in particular over the last five to seven years with rules changes and health issues and, and, and lawsuits that have happened with NCAA, all kinds of different things. Um, so kind of used to things changing. Uh, number two, my dad um, coached in the 70s here on the West Coast. He coached in the Pac-8. And then he coached in the Pac-10. I played in the Pac-10. Now I'm coaching in the Pac-12, right? So conference adjustments are, are going to happen. Um, they're going to continue to happen over time. Some of them are monetarily driven. Some of them are who knows what's, what's driving them, uh, what's caused some of these backroom conversations that have led to some big changes. Uh, but my feeling is it's all going to settle down. Eventually, everybody's going to get and sit down in a chair. Um, and we're going to continue to play this great game. Um, th there will be... Uh, trickle down issues, whether other teams join this conference or somebody tries to leave this conference, joins another, join another conference. Um, I, all that stuff, I believe, is going to settle down and then we're going to get used to the new normal. Uh, if you told me 10 years ago that Colorado and Utah were going to be in the Pac 10 and make it the Pac 12, I'd say, come on, are you kidding me? You know, but now here we are and it feels natural and it feels great, right? By proximity, it's really cool. Now it looks like proximity is not going to matter when it comes to conferences. Um, so now, like all that stuff has to shake itself out. So I, I try not to worry about those things. Um, try to have our guys keep our level heads here. We're, we're playing great football and getting ready to graduate um, and let the rest of college football kind of fall where it may. Coach, uh, if you don't mind indulging us, we have two quick games. You've been very generous with your time. We'll get you out of here in just a second, okay? Here is game number one. It is called Walsh, Green, or Harbaugh, okay? Are you down with this game? Okay, let's do it. Okay, best gift giver. Walsh, Denny Green, or Jim Harbaugh? I would have to say Bill. Denny was too busy going forward. Like, Denny never, like, stopped and slowed down. It was your birthday. You might get a happy birthday on his way out the door. Yeah. Um, 
<laughs> Jim was always juggling a bunch of different things like that wasn't a big deal to Jim. But Bill, Bill may give you a gift, but there was going to be a reason for it. Right. <laughs> he was either trying to get something out of you or get you in a mentality to make sure that you did your job. Right. Yes. If there was going to be, if he's going to do that. something for you, it, there was going to be a purpose that you maybe didn't figure out until 10 years later. Like, that's why he gave that to me. Oh, now I get it. Right. And if you, if you tell that to anybody who's ever played for Bill, they will crack up laughing and they'll have three stories for you. Oh, that is amazing. Uh, in their prime, who wins a 50-yard dash? Walsh, Green, or Harbaugh? <laughs> in Harbaugh. their prime, Coach. Really? It won't be close. Harbaugh because he'll trip the other two. <laughs> you know, we told us a story once on our show. Does this surprise you about Jim, Coach? That on Halloween, he has his kids go out in one costume. Then they get all the big candy boards. You know this, right? They come home, and then he sends them out in different costumes to go do it again. I mean, it's crazy. There's, there's no question about it. Uh, I've, I've heard that story multiple times, and I wish there wasn't true, but it is. <laughs> it's a heady play. Uh, the one you would most trust to create a solid financial plan for you and your family, Walsh, Green, or Harbaugh? Ooh, that'd be a, that'd be a close one between Green and, and Bill Walsh. And um, maybe I'd pick Denny for that one because Denny was so meticulous. And a lot of people don't know about Denny. Is Denny, Denny didn't grow up with money. Right. Den Denny is a, is if there's ever a self-made man in this business, it was Denny Green. And he got himself from verge of homelessness to being a head coach, making millions of dollars. And he was very, very wise in getting himself there. I think uh, you'd select yourself based on what you told us earlier, by the way. Um, <laughs> best dancer, Walsh, oh Green or Harbaugh. Yeah. Mike, who do you think before he answers? Who do you think of those three? I could see Denny Green just cutting it up at like a uh, at a wedding. I, I would go like with Denny. Harbaugh may move, but it would probably look like Elaine from from Seinfeld, you know. <laughs> so I would probably go with, with Denny on that. <laughs> I, I, I would have. I so I'll say this: no one would work harder at it than Jim. Right? He's, he's not going to be outworked. Like, if, if it's a contest, no matter what it is, he's going to outwork everybody. Else. But again, he's tripping everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if it, if it came to like modern dancing, I think Denny would be so smooth like and and great. If it came to like formal dancing, Bill, then you take Bill. Anything yeah. that is elegant and mm -hmm. precise and beautiful, Bill <laughs> would blow anybody else away. All right, best singer. Who's the best singer? I would say Bill. It, a lot of people that don't understand about Bill is that Bill, one of the best football coaches of all time, Bill was also an entertainer. Right. Like he, at times you reminded me of Dick Van Dyke, where it's kind of joke, joke, dead serious. Get this right. <laughs> then something silly, then something funny. Then he's doing a little dance. Then he's wiggling his head at every meeting. You were mesmerized. And sometimes he was mad at you and he's pulling. He's like about to reach in and grab your heart. And then sometimes you're, you're in the aisles laughing. So I would say I would say Bill because he was the consummate football coach and the consummate entertainer. Um, I think this goes without saying. The one that would be most upset if they lost a board game. Oh, God. <laughs> Is this even a conversation? He, th he would throw <laughs> the board game. Jim would throw the board game. Yeah. I, 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 right. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure that you all are, are, uh, are, are fans of the TV show Blackish. Oh, yeah. Um, yes. There, there's, there's one episode that me and my family have watched over and over and over again. It's an episode of them playing Monopoly. Uh, and, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and Andre 
flipping the board, you know, and and uh, referring to himself as 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 Donald Trump as he's amassed some money and then everybody starts to hate him and like you know he just starts complaining about Hillary's emails and you know, blows the thing up is just you know. Uh, I, I think we we let Jim win that one. Uh, he didn't like to lose anything, and 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 honestly, and I know we're kind of making jokes here, but honestly, that to me was probably the biggest impression Jim made on me, which is I've always been competitive, and I was with John Gruden, who's ultra competitive also, and but Jim's also one of those things like, hey, we're gonna find some way to compete every single day, uh, and there's a danger to that, um, but there's also keeping everybody primed um, that I think helps. So that that ability to be competitive and everything uh, has been a big aid. And then sometimes you end up flipping the board over though. <laughs> All right, la- last one on this game. The one you would most trust with a big secret. Harbaugh, Walsh, Denny Greed. Hmm. Uh, uh, Bill Walsh. I, yeah. I, I got really close with, with Billy, especially after, uh, after I was done playing. Outside of my my dad, he was kind of my first advisor in this in this profession. I would meet with him every off season, and he would always give me little nuggets, and he would always tell me something something about him personally. I would tell him something about me personally. I knew that I knew that it was just going to him. That he wasn't going to oh, you wouldn't believe what this guy said to me, right? I always felt like we could have those private, intimate conversations, and I think Bill did that for a lot of different people. Um, so I, I would trust Bill with with anything. How quickly would the whole world know if you told Harbaugh a secret? <laughs> I mean, uh, Jim, quick, Jim's got know. a way to get things out. So I, yeah. I <laughs> All right. Last and, and just indulge us. Four more questions. Shaw or Naw? Okay. We're just, and Mike will love this. Ketchup on steak. Shaw or Naw? Never. Never. <laughs> Thank you. Thank Never. you. Mike, how do you oh, feel about that? I was just at a very nice establishment at a golf tournament in Cincinnati, a very nice steak establishment. And the person next to me got a steak, a beautiful ribeye. And before they even cut it, they asked for some ketchup. And I'm like, A, that blows my mind. But B, taste it first. It may not, it may, it, <laughs> unless it's the worst steak in the world where you want to want a flavor of ketchup, what are you doing? So, yeah, I'm 100% with Coach on that. Yeah, a one or barbecue sauce or, or something else, uh, Jew, like yeah, whatever you yeah. want. Like, but but yeah, not not ketchup. Not ketchup. It's not a burger. No, steak's not a burger. I almost divorced my wife over that. I did. Um, <laughs> catch now. How about ketchup on a hot dog? Shaw or Noah? Yeah, you know, when I was younger, yeah. Now I'm a big mustard and relish guy. That a boy. Yes. <laughs> and uh, listen, these are indelicate, but I have to ask them because our producer, I'm putting it on my key right now. <laughs> Peeing in the shower, Shaw or Naw? <laughs> so at one point I was mortified by George Costanza. Uh, <laughs> but now I get it. But now I get it. Right. Those Sam Seinfeld references are always good around me. You know the the whole it get, kind of getting kicked out of the uh, out of the out of yeah, the club. Yeah, um, yeah. But it's all pipes, right? Yeah, that's just right. yeah, line. It's all it's pipes. All pipes. Uh, yep. To me, it's you either admit that you do it, you everybody does it, or if you say no, you're lying. That because I, it, <laughs> right, it, it amazes. I I met a guy one time who said he'd swim in the lake and wouldn't pee in the lake. I'm like, well, well, why not? He said, I'd get out of the lake and go find a bathroom. I said, oh, my God. What are you, what are you yeah. thinking? He the wasn't. He was lying, Mike. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. How, how do we feel about peeing in the pool, Coach? <laughs> oh, that's a no-go. Yeah. That's, okay. that's a no-go. Like, when you're in the ocean and you're in the lake, like it's understood, you know, but when you're in a pool, in particular somebody else's pool, 
hey, yeah. you know, take that little jaunt uh, around the corner and get that done. <laughs> every pool chemical used everywhere should always have that to where it makes pee turn purple so everybody knows who's doing it in the pool. That would be great. That's <laughs> That's a great. All right, Coach, we'll get you out of here, but true or false, it was Saban who got mad at you. Did Saban get mad at you? Tell us, did Saban get mad at you? <laughs> uh, I, I, I think there have been varying times where maybe he was a little not happy with me over different things. Um, I don't think it's anything that other that, that the Alabama fans get mad at. I don't think he really cares about some of that stuff. Right. Um, okay. Yeah, but uh, I think I think I'd like to think that we're we're good. Okay, good. Uh, Coach, this has been great. We appreciate the time. I can tell you now, Mike's going to be upset here, but me and Mike EA, our producer, will be rooting for you November 27th, okay, when you play Notre Dame, all right? <laughs> well, I mean, percentages will say, you know, we've, we've won more than we've lost, so, you know. We were, uh, isn't this, we're about time we got to end this, don't we? Coach has got to go, I think, now. uh coach we enjoyed this it It was uh it was fantastic good yeah good luck this year and uh and we hope to do it again soon so appreciate uh, it thanks guys Stu Gouts here for my friends over at Miller Lite. A lot's changed over the years. One thing that hasn't, the great taste of Miller Lite. Another thing that hasn't changed is that it's less filling. So, what is the best thing about the original light beer? Miller Lite sparked this debate in 1975, and we still haven't settled it. Listen, for me, it's simple. When I'm sitting around with friends, with family, we're at concerts, we're watching the Knicks finally win for the first time in 30 years, we're laughing, we're having a great time, we do it with ice cold. Miller Lite. Always have, always will. Miller Lite keeps it simple, undebatable quality, great taste, only 96 calories. It's the beer that strips away everything you don't need and holds on to what matters most. You don't have to choose what's best. Miller Lite has great taste and is less filling. Tastes like Miller time. To get Miller Lite delivered right to your door, visit MillerLite.com slash stew, or you can find it pretty much anywhere that sells beer. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, 96 calories per 12 ounces, fewer cows and carbs than premium regular beer.